When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're back with another Blunt Business on CannabisRio.com. My next guest is based uh, in the fast-growing New York State Cannabis Market, which we know now as Green Lit for adult-use cannabis. We're going to talk all about that here on the program. Now, my guest counsels clients on various business matters, including structure, expansion, formation, sales, and dissolution of business entities and partnerships, regulatory compliance, internal and external best practices, compliance audits, and general advice concerning complex and novel issues of law. I'm here with the lead of the cannabis practice team at Farrell Fritz, based in, uh, he's based in Albany, but the firm's in Uniondale, Long Island, New York, uh, here with Jason Little. Thanks for being on with me, Jason. Brasco, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So let's talk about all this. First of all, we now know that in New York State, we're seeing the issuing of conditional adult use retail dispensary licenses or CAURDs. I don't even know how you pronounce that as an acronym if they tried to card i guess and they've been granted to the first retail dispensaries to open for legal adult cannabis use in the state actually just before i got on on our grassroots bargaining series i talked to uh the folks at forest farms uh carly miller handbrick that actually uh her product line is now in the one of the very first dispensaries that have opened up and on the recent decision to allow licensees to select their own site uh, which has been a point of a I guess you could say a point of concern or point of contention possibly. You said this. Now, quote, they didn't necessarily rush issuing the first card licenses and still did not have leased space or funding committed, although uh, per DASNY or the Dormitory Authority for the State of New York, they're ready to go. They just do not have leased space to start. It shows the practicality of the Office of Cannabis Management's mission and the best bet is to reopen card licensing to let folks who qualify to apply and also the ability to outfit their own space on their own dime have the opportunity to do so. So fill us in on what's going on here. A couple of things are going on here. I, I think, first off, the intent of this public-private partnership, which which does work, and, and it is going to work, and it's working for um, Smacked uh, LLC, the dispensary that just opened in Manhattan, in a different way than it was initially uh, intended to to work, right? Um, but if we go back to uh, the purpose of MRSA, we start to see why um, why the state would want a fund to help both the folks that would need the help on the front end to get spacing in the first instance, and then ultimately um, to to kind of regulate how 
the folks were going to be getting licenses in the in, in the first place and who was going to be getting them right so what is happening on on the on the physical space side is that there there aren't there isn't it isn't funded as it was intended to be funded yet it will be my understanding is and um the lease spaces and the turnkeys are not ready to go so instead of waiting for a long period of time for those to be ready and at some point uh, they likely will uh and you, you see the and i'm sure we'll discuss the you know the quote unquote the, the pop-up uh, solution correct with smacked llc um they weren't ready to go so when we when i when i had a, my interview with bloomberg you know one of and i have a client in particular that has retail space that could outfit it um we had is a justice involved individual um and we were thinking you know hey if we opened this up if we provided because there's a second element right so there's the justice involved element for folks to get the, the card licenses and there's also uh, a business element that that has to that they have to meet right in order to be eligible for those licenses so on the front end the turnkeys aren't ready it shouldn't hold up legal dispensaries from opening by people who qualify right now for a card license um but aren't getting card licenses uh, and or haven't been issued them yet. Uh, and I think maybe at that point that it was time to shift. Fast forward a little bit, right? So now they are going to allow what they're calling pop-ups and they're going to provide some funding for these pop-ups to work and open and open for short periods of time until the lease spaces are ready and or that they can create enough capital to open their own. So let me before you before you before you expand on that, Jason. Let me go ahead and just give some context to the listeners here. So yeah. you just Meg mentioned you were teaming te- te- of it just perfectly. Uh, Governor Kathy Ockel actually mentioned on her website that the announcement of the opening of the first cannabis near cannabis dispensary owned by a justice impacted individual, and as of today, it opens up that pop up as you said, Smacked LLC owned and operated by Roland Connor, and it's a soft opening with its pop up, and that's through February twentieth. And with other, some initial dispensaries you just mentioned, supported by the New York Cannabis Social Equity Investment Fund, the lease licenses will have the opportunity to open on a short-term basis to fast-track sales, start generating capital, and after which they will close for final construction and then reopen. So this is only affecting the social equity licensees, or are there other licensees that are going through the same process? On the retail side, it's only affecting the uh, social equity uh, licensees because they're the only folks under the card program that have, have received uh, the the licenses, right? So, right. But you teed up you teed up where I wanted to go with this, and that is that it does affect other licensees in that it affects the the cultivator licensees, the processor licensees, and the distributor licensees, right? So, I have cultivator clients, for instance, who were concerned that they were going to have no place legally to put their product, right? That has a shelf life that can only be stored in its, in its native form for so long. Um, and it was creating on their end, right? Uh, a problem with the, with market price vis-a-vis the processors who can process it, uh, and store it probably for a little bit longer period of time. I have a processor client who says, yeah, that's great, but you know, we put money, time and investment into it and it, there's nowhere for this to go. So by allowing these pop-ups, yeah, it has a direct effect 
on the market in general and other licensees who can now offload their their product um, and get it processed and get it marketed. I believe you said at the start of the show, you you had spoken with the good folks in, in Ithaca who now have their products in one of the New York City dispensaries. Yeah, the Healing Works Dispensary on uh, uh, Broadway at 8th Street, which well, is about like 10 minutes away from this other dispensary here. My only thing is, I'm wondering, and they're a nonprofit, by the way, that dispensary as well. So, but my thing is, because this is that social equity licensing, I'm sorry, I'm going to have a little bit of suspicion on this. Why is it they just couldn't get themselves to be able to be open by this point? Why is there a delay? Why, do this, why does this dispensary have to do a pop-up? And why do they have to go and wait, start up, shut down to reopen again? I feel like it's a little extra red tape and some other interference that's going on here. Can you clear me up on that? Well, it's. I don't believe there's any interference or, okay. or red tape. I, I think that it. if we go back, New York is doing it a little bit differently than, than states like Massachusetts and California have done it or Colorado. And they're, they're, they're severely restricting for what they would say is, is fantastic cause, right? The yeah. people and the folks and the, and the entities who can get licenses at every stage. All of that is built into merger. That's the the social equity component. It's 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 a very big um, component for New York, and it separates itself quite drastically from other states. Even though there's some social equity components there as well. Um, as a result of that, the, the the number of licenses being given and the number of folks who can invest and the ability to get online quickly is kind of, it's set back a little bit, right? So if you were in Colorado, uh, just by way of example, and and, and not necessarily to be factually accurate, I'm just using a state that has legalized marijuana, um, and you allow private equity to come in, and you allow private investment to come in with ownership equity, uh, you allow larger businesses as opposed to smaller businesses to get in on the ground floor, right? The startup time for those folks is drastically smaller than it is for the folks who are getting licenses in New York. So that's, that's the issue. And again, that is the point and purpose of Merta. So it's not, it's not unintentional. Um, it's just, it's a slow process to get this market rolling. And and I believe that it probably was always going to be a a slow burn and a a small uh, or a long process to get this market. I can agree with that. It's just for me, what I'm hearing about, if, you, if you're thinking about a retail dispensary, they get their license, if it's an MSO, it, they're going to have their stuff already kind of set up. They're going to make, make sure they're, they're zoning, any kind of permits that they need, any kind of things like that. They're going to try to get that all set up so that all they have to do is go ahead and open up shop. But that was where I'm coming from when I see this here. If it's not just the social equity licensees that are dealing with this, if that's going to be something that's an ongoing problem because of the slow rollout, then that takes me into what I want to talk about after the break. Because while the legal dispensaries are trying to get themselves off the ground and they're slowly but surely getting licensed, getting granted the licenses and getting them chance to, they're, to finally go ahead and start setting up shop and start selling, there's a there's still illicit market that's burgeoning right now. And there's been a lot of talk about that in the media just over the last week or so. I want to bring that up to you coming up after the break about the amount of illegal cannabis stores that have been opened up in New York. And there's a lot of talk about it. We'll talk about that 
After a short break, I'm here with the lead of the cannabis practice team at Feral Fritz, Jason Little. And if you want to look at their website, see what they do, uh, website is feralfritz.com, F-A-R-R-E-L-L-F-R-I-T-Z.com. We're back after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Blood Business. I'm here with Jason Little, the lead of the cannabis practice team at Farrell Fritz. So this story made a lot of headlines. New York City Police Department announced that there are more than 1,300 illegal cannabis stores selling without a license. And the claim also is there are roadblocks to seizing cannabis without being sold illegally. State Senator Liz Kruger is working on a bill with her partner in the Assembly, Majority Leader Crystal People-Stokes, and Governor Kathy Hochul that would crack down on illicit sales in shops, Includes revoking business licenses from shops, also selling tobacco, finding landlords for renting to illegal businesses, and making it easier for the NYPD to seize cannabis products. Now, on top of that, just uh, yesterday as we're recording this program, City Councilwoman Gail Brewer, who chairs the Council's Oversight and Investigations Committee, said during the hearing on the Council's Committee on Consumer and Worker Protection, she said, quote, we know there is an illegal cannabis store, van, or street vendor on what seems like every block in New York. Then she also went on, the proliferation of cannabis retailers over the last 22 months has been gone almost unchecked by the city and state. And then the daily news she spoke to, and she also said, these illegal stores, it seems to me, suck up revenue that should be going to license dispensaries. And, I mean, that's a lot being said right there, that this issue, while the good intentions of the Office of Cannabis Management and the state itself, this is a big problem. Yeah, it is. And I would I would I would say actually it, it's a problem that we're gonna see in the future. Yeah. I mean it, it, it's a problem now and it 
let's use the NYPD's numbers that there's 13 within this 1300 within the city uh, that are operating illegally. There are only two total that are operating legally. So that's kind of the problem today. Jason, I want to ask real quick, can you tell me what they were saying about what the roadblocks are about being able to seize cannabis being sold illegally? What is that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what that is. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know that the NYPD would have historically had issues seizing illegal or illicit drug products. There, you know, Myrta makes the, con, the, con, you know, the possession of certain amounts of marijuana legal. So to the extent that individuals have a permissible amount on them, I mean, it, it's not illegal yeah. to, to carry it, right? Um, to the extent that products being stored in large quantities, uh, I think that probably makes it a little bit different. Um, so I'm not 100% sure where they were going with that. I mean, one of the theoretical places I think they're going with that, though, is, and, and I think, and this is just my my opinion, but Myrta, in in addition to being, you know, this, this wonderful statute that, that opens up a legal recreational marijuana industry within the state of New York. Now, it has a purpose and intent behind it. And one of the largest purposes and intents was to decriminalize uh, marijuana possession, consumption, et cetera, in the state of New York. And that's that's kind of contradictory to requesting increased enforcement of marijuana. <laughs> uh, Right, albeit from an illegal, you know, being sold from from an illegal or unlicensed shop, or in an illegal way in an unlicensed shop, um, you know, it, there's the contradiction there, right? And I and I think that that folks struggle with the legality of it and the amount of work that it would take, probably, um, from let's use the NYPD to figure out who is and isn't doing it, um, who has it legally as opposed to illegally or in via quantity, etc. You know, that's the only thing I can, you know, un, in my opinion, that's right. I think kind of the, there's a, there's a pull, right. <laughs> and there's a, a small little contradiction with what, what was set up from an intent purpose and, and what we're being asked to do now. And, you know, the slow rollout of this is kind of really exacerbating that tension. No, uh, if we had a hundred, if we had a hundred stores online, maybe, maybe the problem's less. We don't know because we don't. Uh, right. So, and I, I want to make I'll make things clear. And I, 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 you know, it's we haven't been told anything as to as to what might be the the entanglements. But it's not as if that the the that New York City and and New York State has not been trying to crack down. We know that back in August there were 19 cannabis trucks that were seized. We know that in December there were more than 600 pounds uh, that was confiscated by the sheriff's office, and they had a two week a two week crackdown on licensed pot peddlers across the five boroughs, and you know. They talk about how there was a critical counterweight against the wave of unlicensed cannabis that has been out there since the legalization, and that the city has issued 500 civil summonses. This is according to the Daily News back in December, and 66 criminal summonses the dealers as part of their enforcement program. So it's not as if they're going, but uh, the thing is, I feel like that's something where lawmakers need to go and do something. But I guess the other thing I want to ask is. That lawyer, lawmakers did decriminalize, and that I don't know if that was something that was different in terms of the rollout in other markets where the criminalization might not have been played. Is there any kind of uh, is there any kind of a uh, cloudiness? I guess you could say 
any murkiness when it comes to people that are able to go ahead and now have possession and the fact that people might also try to go and still have intent to sell that that's something that might be one of those roadblocks intended. Is that something that in the rollout of legalization, because they did decriminalize, is that something that's making it a little bit tougher? In some part, sure. In some okay. part, sure. I, I think, I think the, the statute, um, contemplates or, the issue by limiting, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. Sorry, the amount, but it, but it's not, it's not, it's not a, a it's not a sellable amount or not a sellable right. amount in large quantities, right? So you, you can't have what I would call a easily sellable amount of, of marijuana on your person uh, under the current statute. So it decriminalized personal possession. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, so does that make it more difficult for law enforcement because each individual person is is allowed to possess? Sure, to some extent. Um, I don't know that that would, would inhibit law enforcement from going to physical shops that are selling it. But these, these shops, while they are selling it, well, people think they know they are selling it. They're not necessarily advertising it. Um, they're not putting it on their, you know, their billboards outside. It's, it's more like the operate, like the, the market worked before decriminalization, right? It's just a little bit more in your face now. But the thing is also the focus of what you're doing in your firm, you're working with legal dispensaries, you're working with legal cultivators. It's just that this raw, this illicit problem, I'm sure just looking from the outside, looking in, I mean, it just. It's the magnitude of it that New York State could do more. I mean, listen, we know that the, the California had a, has this big big problem as well with also their own share of having thousands of complaints and then having you know law enforcement in California also have to crack down on all these different growths, all these different dispensaries. It's going to be everywhere, and I'm sure New York State was not going to be an exception to the rule. But it's just it is amazing how many are out there, how many companies are out there able to go ahead and try to pull this off, try to make a quick buck. But the thing is, it's one thing to say, okay, you have all these different illicit stores and all these different illicit businesses, but New York State has to crack down on them much more. And if there are roadblocks, then let's get some legislation in. Let's get some laws put into place so that you can go ahead and cut some of this out. That's what New York State needs to do. That's just my opinion, speaking only myself. I want yeah, to and, oh, go ahead, please. Uh, yeah, no, there's, there's another element of this, right? So, so. A, you're 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 very right in that it, it, the number is is kind of staggering. Thirteen hundred within the city that that that's a lot, and it's going to it's made for a good headline. Yeah, it's if we believe the headline right, and it's going to absolutely negative negatively impact mm-hmm. you know the the legalized market when that's even if that's up and running and, and at full steam right. But another advantage to the illegal market that. Again, it, this is it. Kind of ties in a little bit with with the lawsuit that you know I think we, we can discuss a little bit later. But you know, the folks that are selling marijuana illegally don't have to buy it from licensed cultivators, processors, and distributors. Right. In New York, they can get it cross border, um, unregulated, untested, <laughs> completely you know, have potential for for harm harmful effects but but a completely different product but you know those types of market restraints are not it's, it's not just that they can you know sell it in a shop in, in new york city they're not they're not 
theoretically buying legal marijuana from a licensed processor or distributor within the state of New York. They're, they're probably bought, selling illegal right. marijuana that's coming from New York or, or any one of the other states that that you can get it. I want to bring, I want to bring up this point because I want to tie in what I talked about before the break. So if these illegal these illicit marketers, you know, it, you could call them legacy market. We've, you know, people will say legacy operators. Maybe some of them are. And they're getting a chance now because everything's opened up. They're going to try to get away with what they can. And when they get cracked down, they get cracked down. But the thing, too, is that it goes back to the social equity licensing and the fact that if there are those that can't get themselves into the cannabis social equity investment fund in New York and get the licenses and not have to go through the red tape of what well, we need you to do a pop-up shop so you can start selling, they need to close down for construction and then you get to open back up. Like there's, I mean, I can understand where if some of these operators that might want to be in there and do the right thing and get a license, they're not going to want to go through this kind of like, you know, kind of go jumping through fiery hoops just to get their business up off the ground. That's the other thing I can think that New York's also got to consider. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I believe, and don't quote me on the number, but no, no. 950 or 960-ish um, card applicants uh, originally. So not non-for-profits and or justice involved individuals with the requisite uh, business background. So in not anywhere near that number of license licenses have been issued. Right. So, you know, obviously OCM's going through that process. We saw this on the cultivation licensing side, right? Where they issued just made up numbers, right? 30. And then on a rolling basis, another 15 and then another 15 and then another 20 and then another 30 to get us to where we are today. Right. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, right. Um, and I believe OCM has said that's the process they're going to use for the card applicants as well. So it, it's not just a, a, a card, a card application limitation problem. It's, you know, there, there were nearly a thousand card applicants. Um, you know, I, I can't speak to whether all of the folks who applied were either qualified or or able to to get businesses running sooner than later. I, I was speaking particularly with respect to one of my clients and and mm -hmm. you know when I made the statement, um, and it was true with respect to them, but you know, there's the, there's the ability, you know, within the framework we have now to have a large number of licenses issued mi minus you know, the certain regions that can't have licenses issued at this point. But obviously, um, you know, the, the sooner we can get this moving up on online as a larger scale market, the, the much, the better New York will be, the better the legal licensees will be, um, and the better, you know, the health and safety of New Yorkers will be. It's the OCM just has, there's things they need to focus on. This is one of the things I want to point out to New York State, make that point. And look, I'll make this point as well. The 1300 number for the amount of illegal shops that are out there. Let's make mention of that. A lot of the stories I kept seeing, you know, Fox five, New York, Fox business. Like, let's just know that there was a little bit of a, maybe a political slant for those that are maybe anti-cannabis that wanted to go ahead and put that story out there to go ahead and, you know, basically put some hit pieces out. I get it. I get it. But the other thing too is that the office of cannabis management, they have other focuses on other things too. I want to bring this up as well. PBS NewsHour recently reported on this, that New York State forbids marketing and advertising that is, quote, designated in any way to appeal to children or other minors, end quote. But the OCM has yet to officially adopt rules on labeling, packaging, and advertising that could ban cartoons and neon colors, 
prohibit depictions of food, candy, soda, drinks, cookies, or cereal and packaging, all of which the agency suggests could attract people under 21. And the Deputy Director of Health, Public Health and Campaigns, Lala Hunt, says that, quote, consumers need to be aware, parents need to be aware, if they see products that look like other products that are commonly marketed to kids, that's an illicit market product. So one of the products she points out is one called Stony Patch Kids that sounds like Sour Patch Kids. And there's other products being sold by the dozens in these other legal dispensaries operating out in the open and officials worry they're selling unsafe products. This is where the crackdown is even more. I mean, this is where that needs to be taken care of. Now, without asking any more about what these other dispensaries are, let's just talk about when it comes to the legal cannabis businesses. You know, is that something that's been a concern in terms of how they have to change what their packaging might be or what the branding might be. Yeah. Um, so that's actually a really good question. So I, I, I did, I did see the the piece that you're referring to um, from PBS and the office of cannabis management actually has for the, uh, for the legal adult use marijuana industry has adopted regulations as of June 1st, um, they then went to a 60-day public comment period. I believe they've been published in the register. Um, don't quote me on that, but okay. they, they've obviously been promulgated um, and they've been out there for a good period of time now. And, and they, they do exactly what you are concerned about, right? So the packaging may not, you know, among other things, contain more than one brand logo and brand name, right? Uh, There's size restrictions on on branding. They can't emit scent or sound or, quote, to be made attractive uh, to individuals under 21. They can't use, for, for instance, can't use cartoons, neon colors, uh, or similarities to products uh, typically marketed to uh, underage individuals. So so Office of Cannabis Management has uh, issued some rather comprehensive regulations um, with respect to the marketing uh, of adult use. Now, with respect to you know, the folks selling illegal, uh, well, with respect to the folks who are running dispensaries that are not licensed and selling products that may not be uh, permitted within the state of New York, I mean, that's a completely different issue that goes back to the enforcement. The enforcement um, by local law enforcement uh, on the front end, right, and, and state law enforcement, um, in conjunction therewith to make sure that those regulations are being complied uh, uh, with and that, that illegal substances are not being marketed to and getting in the hands of underage children. So we're going to go out to commercial break and I want to bring up one more thing that's still being brought up. OCM, man, you're just getting, you're getting lambasted on all different sides, but I'm pointing this all out to you here on this program. And this is where you go, oh, you know, look at what all these other media sources are going to say. They're going to kind of, you know, they're not going into the weeds like we are here. But these are things that I found out when I knew that I was going to have Jason on, you know, and, you know, practicing attorney from Long Island, New York, understands the New York state market, leading the cannabis practice team at Feral Fritz. My thing was, I hope the people at the OCM and I hope New York state and all the, the people that are, you know, looking advocates in New York state, I hope you're paying attention to this program. And you're realizing, look, I'm pointing all this out, taking all these stories, bringing them the context, and reasoning, just putting it all together. We want rolling out of New York. We want New York State to be the prime role model, the example of which every other state that green lights now for adult use is in play. We want that because this is the role model 
that's going to lead to the full federal legalization whenever Congress wants to do that, three, five, 10 years, whatever it's going to be, because I don't think it's happening anytime soon. But New York must set the example. So all this stuff with 1,300 you know, illegal shops out here, the packaging issues and the adoption of rules needs to be made, all this stuff needs to be played in there. There's a major tax revenue. So Governor Hoko, you know, step up, make sure everything is in order. You want to talk about you won't talk about your reelection. Make sure this this rollout is complete. Everything is done correct. You've got brought back in the office. You're here now. Your team, your office of campus management, whatever has to be done, this has to be here so that you know the clients that Jason represents, they have pure transparency, know what to do, and there are no roadblocks or any kind of obstacles for them to go ahead and open up and have a business going to flourish with very little issue. So that's where I'm coming from with that. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk about a lawsuit because there is now an issue where their license is being uh, held up. We're going to talk about that after a short break here with Jason Little, lead of the cannabis practice team at Farrell Fritz. Again, the website to check out his firm is Farrell, F-A-R-R-E-L-L, Fritz, F-R-I-T-Z.com. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm back with final questions with Jason Little. With Farrell Fritz, the leader of the cannabis practice team there at Farrell Fritz in Uniondale, Long Island, New York, but based in Albany, uh, Leafly recently reported on an active federal lawsuit that continues to block the issuance of 63 dispensary licenses in Brooklyn and four other regions of the state. Office of Cannabis Management, you know, every time I say this, you might as well take a drink or take a hit. They've expressed confidence that the temporary injunction currently stopping the state from awarding conditional uh, adult use dispensary licenses will be resolved in the coming months. The plaintiff told Leafly that, quote, enjoining the licensing process for other operators was not their intention. Until the suit was resolved, cannabis buyers and prospectory dispensary owners in the areas of Brooklyn, Finger Lake, Central New York, Western New York, and Mid-Hudson Valley must wait for dispensaries to open. So what can you tell me about these, these legal issues that are going right now, the pushback in these various communities to the rollout of adult use? Yeah, so... Well, you know, there, there's certain, obviously, uh, the, the, the issue with respect to rollout is I believe there's 63 uh, something odd licensees in one of the four regions that are affected by this lawsuit um, that that can't get operational as a result of an injunction. Um, and the injunction was sought by by Verisite, uh New York 1 LLC. So they, they they at least intended to to seek the injunction, right. um, and the the general legal issues um, from you know, two thousand feet above are really federal issues. You're right. They're 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 in some saying that the licensing process and and the way that you're applicable for licensing in New York and, and not just so, socially. Uh, so uh, justice involved individuals or, or card licenses, you know, I, I think that's the point. But I, I think it goes a little bit broader than that. Um, is discriminatory in that it is 
shut off to the outside world other than to New Yorkers. So where that becomes an issue with coward is the justice-involved individuals are required to have um, a prior conviction for a mer- or a family member uh, with a prior conviction uh, with a, for a marijuana-related offense in New York. Um, so the question then becomes, what happens if you have folks from Pennsylvania or Ohio or Florida or Colorado uh, that have similar convictions in states other than New York and or for residents of states other than New York? And and how does that affect their ability to get licensed in New York? And the answer is that it, they're not applicable, right? They're not, they're not able to apply, at least now. So what they have attempted to do is essentially use the Commerce Clause, uh, the Dormant Commerce Clause of the United States Constitution, and say that you can't restrict uh, interstate commerce in such a way by trying to localize and establish for New York's benefit only a market that doesn't benefit all of the 50 states. That's the general issue, and that's not a New York only issue. That's an issue in any of the states that have tried to uh, put walls and borders uh, around any industry, including the uh, marijuana industry. So that's that's the legal issue. I believe the Office of Cannabis Management through the uh, New York State Attorney General's office has appealed um, the injunction um, and you know the ruling on, on that appeal has not been issued yet. So as we sit and talk today, um, those I think believe four regions are are enjoined from from having licensees uh, open up shop, and that's obviously an inhibitor on the market uh, because that's a number of licensees and a large portion of New York State that that is not on board. So at this point now, uh, talk to me about. Uh, some of the things you're doing right now with Feral Fritz when it comes to the cannabis practice. And if you give me some background on what uh, you've done so far uh, on board with the team and how Feral Fritz has been doing a lot of things outside of cannabis for a long time. But what can you tell me about the legacy of the firm and entering into the cannabis space and how it's been so far? Well, well the first thing I would say is that, you know, obviously the, the marijuana business and the cannabis business, it's a business. Um, and Viral Fritz uh, has a large corporate practice. It has a large regulatory practice. Uh, it has in Albany a lobbying practice. Uh, it has a land use practice, right? So Feral Fritz has for, for many, many years before I joined Feral Fritz been providing the services that, that cannabis clients needs, whether that be transactional corporate that we've done for, for every industry uh, or you know, zoning and land use, or on my end, you know, what do, what am I currently doing? You know, a lot of it is is you know formation, setup, uh, planning, regulatory analysis, and licensing. Right. So that those are the those are the issues that are on the plate now. Uh, litigation. Uh, we have a large commercial litigation group, um, and I I have a background in commercial litigation as well. So you know that that's an area that as we see and we just talked about, is going to probably pick up uh, as disputes um, occur. Uh, meandering through the regulatory process um, is is one of the ways we help with Feral Fritz. 
um, land use and conversion is the way we we help at Feral Fritz, obviously, um, and and you know anything in between. And we have a, a corporate practice, and and one of the one of the the issues that will rear its head, and and it has already, is is how how transferable are the licenses, and the answer is they're not. Um, uh, and what are the the appropriate and legal ways? Uh, around transferring equity in in one of these licenses for one of these businesses, and and that's something uh, that we will focus on as those issues arise too. So there's a lot to go meet. Much what comes up, Bill Fritz, full service law firm, fifteen practice groups advising startups on entity formation, founder shareholder agreements, funding, executive compensation benefits. There's a whole lot of other stuff, and also there's a blog that your your firm also has, the New York Venture Hub, or it's a nyventurehub.com if you want to go and check that out as well there's a lot that you're working on and this the cannabis division and the fact that you're getting the work this division and you know be a part in the cannabis industry and the expertise that you bring would be really great to, to put together so i'm really i'm glad you were able to get the chance to go and join us and really answer all my questions when it comes to new york state we're always interested in what's going on we've been keeping on touch with what's happening here i know i had another attorney that was uh, based in new jersey that came on and again we're just following along we're just we want to see things go well in new york state and i'm glad that you're there in the front lines while all this is going on for the legal you know people want to do right by this but it's also where that government the office of control of cannabis management the governor's office law enforcement and all let's work it all together public private partnerships whatever it is to help with social equity whatever it comes out to work on compliance all these different issues that I want cannabis to roll out well in New York State. Let's just nip all the other issues in the bud. Cross our, you know, dot our I's, cross our T's, get it all set because New York must be the role model for rollout of full legalization. If they can see California how it's done and now New York does the same, they're going to say, okay, we can open up shop for everybody out. And then everything opens right up, which is what everybody wants. So I hope that happy happens and I hope New York will continue to make improvements and things like that. And it's going to make your job easier, obviously, for you and your clients. We hope for that. Uh, Jason, a little again, lead of the, the cannabis practice at Feral Fritz. Thanks for being on Blunt Business. Thank you for making the time. Brasco, uh, it was a pleasure anytime. Um, happy to come back. It was uh, it was enjoyable. Much appreciated. All right. So again, the website, feralfritz.com, to check them out, F-A-R-R-E-L-L-F-R-I-T-Z.com. Thanks, listeners, for just listening in to Blunt Business, as you always do. You know where to subscribe. You know how to reach out to me. If you want to, email me. If you have anything you want to talk about with the program, any guests you want to recommend, if you want to be a guest on the program, or if there's any topics that I'm not covering, or anything that I might have said in any of my rants during this episode or others, feel free to call me out. I want your voice to be heard, too. So feel free. Brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O, at CannabisRio.com. I welcome you. Hey, nobody's taking the plunge yet, but you can be the first, and I hope you do. Thanks, listeners. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.